Welcome to What Bubbles Up. Pop open your mind and a cold one and get creative with your hosts, Bill and Barry. What bubbles up? What's poppin' everybody and welcome to episode 17 of this season of What Bubbles Up? The show that keeps on giving year-round, Barry. Yes. Uh, the show about ideas, in fact, that keep on giving year-round. And yeah. it's the end of the year. It is yeah, that we, time of the season, the giving we made season. It to, we made it to December. We're, we're at the end of 22, starting to think a little bit, uh, taking a moment to look back, I think. This will be a fun episode. Oh, we, we love this time of year, Barry. It's a time to reflect on the year that was. And boy, what yep. a year it was. I would like to say, I think this is a season unlike any other. Uh, I, I, may I go out on a limb and say our best season yet, and, yeah. uh, some great guests, some great content and some great stats actually. In fact, you know, before we get into all of that, we, we have this concept that we do at the end of every season, <laughs> yes. uh, to kind of look back and reflect and we call it the year in flights. Barry, what is the year in flights for those listeners who are uninitiated? Yes. Well, it started as a bit of a joke and then it sort of has become a dare. Uh, but essentially, you know, <laughs> when you go out to a really interesting restaurant, sometimes you can order a flight of wines or a flight of beers. And so, you know, it's an opportunity to sample a bunch of different kind of like flavors of beer. And so we thought, why don't we take uh, one episode every year at least, and we would look back over our catalog and sort of like have a sampling of some of our favorite shows. And we pair each of them mm-hmm. like a sommelier or whatever mm-hmm. it is for beer, Phil, I'm not even sure, uh, close, with, close with, a, uh, with, with, with the appropriate beer. And so what this means in reality is... Uh, you fine listeners get to listen to Phil and I as we drink like four or five beers as opposed to just one. So yeah, uh, it's the conversation <laughs> gets a little long-winded toward the end. But uh, we're, right. we're excited because we get to kind of taste test some of our favorite clips from some of our favorite episodes over what has been just a spectacular year of content. That's right. And I like to say this is an idea so bad, it's great. Yes. Uh, so, and speaking of great, boy, we... Uh, you know, because we're on the anchor platform, Spotify does a great job of uh, uh, of giving you a recap that they call wrapped. Uh, they do yeah. that for podcasters as well. And and we were, I think, pretty shocked and surprised and amazed and eh, maybe a little bit self-impressed. Yeah. With some of our statistics, statistics from this year uh, that, Barry, I'm going to quiz you on or you're going to yeah. quiz me on. Uh, to see how did we do? How did we do this year, season three of What Bubbles Up? Yeah, so let's dive into this. I think it's actually really interesting. So it said basically, so this is episode 17, as we talked about, right? So it Mm -hmm. was 558 minutes of new content, which apparently was more than 92% of other creators in the arts category. That's right. We're in the arts category. Wow. Um, Yes. So it's awesome. And uh, our most popular episode of the year, drum roll, please, Phil. Yes. Was uh, was episode 10 with Eiko Kawano, which I think we're going to revisit as one of our flights, where she talked about side hustles. It had uh, 426% more streams than an average episode, which I thought was fantastic. Wow. Well, Eiko's fantastic. And uh, we're going to be revisiting that episode. She had some, she always has nuggets of knowledge for us. Uh, and we're looking forward to recapping that one. Yeah, and then in a bit of an upset, Phil, mm-hmm. at the global scale, yeah. <laughs> uh, the the top five countries that stream what bubbles up now, 
Go number ahead. one, United States, no shock there. But number two, Canada. Number what? three, Brazil. Number mm. four, India. Number five, Germany. And I ask myself, Phil, where is Mel Fox? Where is Ireland? <laughs> that was always our number two. That, yeah, he he, he can't, did not come through in the clutch, I'm afraid. Either that or he's as faithful as ever. But unfortunately, just like in the World Cup, you know, shock spoilers yeah. happen. Brazil. Spoil- I know. Who's in Brazil? That's I know. amazing. I know. Amazing. Well, Brazil, I work with a lot of people in Brazil. So that one, it's, oh, this all sorts okay. of makes, this all sort of makes sense to me, but I, I thought that well, was funny. That's yeah. a, uh, I did not know that, but go ahead. Yeah. So middle of the summer, apparently our hottest part of the year uh, in August was apparently when we had the largest spike of listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this was actually really interesting. We are in the top 30% of the most followed podcasts, which that's, I think is really, really interesting. That's yeah. insane. That's that's fantastic. And you know what? Uh, we'll give a shout out to our listeners uh, at the end. But boy, thank you all for listening and subscribing and liking, commenting and following us. Uh, we hope the content uh, just continues to improve. And thanks to you, we get that one wonderful stat. Yeah, that's true. In fact, in fact, we uh, gained forty six percent more followers this year, Phil, than 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 in years past. So we are continuing, I think, some rapid growth, which is just really really exciting. So Indeed. we are a top ten podcast for a lot of our fans. We are actually we are actually the number one podcast for for almost two dozen fans. I don't quite understand how that is. I would I like being top ten, but uh, that's that's awesome. That's I, pretty I was going to say. Yeah, we don't have that many parents, so I'm not sure how we're number one for that many fans, but that's awesome. Well, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's a, that's that's loyalty right there. I, yeah. I don't think you can buy that uh, off the yeah. shelf. Yeah. This is the final thing I'll leave you with, Phil. I'm not quite sure how they come up with these archetypes or personas, but they define our podcast listener personality as the enthusiast. Mm, Your listeners are super fans. When their favorite podcast releases a new episode, they're among the first to know going above and beyond to show their support. So thank you very much to all of our enthusiastic What Bubbles Up fans. That's really awesome. I was psyched uh, and and actually kind of surprised to see uh, some of those stats. That really... Likewise. That, that means a lot to us. We, we enjoy doing it. We would do it probably just for ourselves, but it's great to see that the listenership is growing uh, and that people are enjoying it. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, here, here. And, uh, you know, what we, what we lack for scale... We more than make up for it in repeat listens. Probably the two of us listening in our cars to make sure the audio is right. But aside from that, <laughs> everyone else who gets a little bit of value out of this, that, that yeah. goes a long way. Yeah. Let's dive into the flights here, Phil. Where do you want to start? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the first question, of course, at hand before we introduce the episode is, what are you drinking for this for this part of our uh, year in flights? Oh, I have a carefully curated beer list here, Phil. I've I've, okay. I've tried to sort of I've, I've brought out the science. I'm trying to go slightly sort of like mellow into something here that's a little bit serious at the end here. So okay. I am starting uh, with the Green State Lager here from uh, Zero Gravity. So this is oh wow brewed in Burlington, Vermont. The Green State itself. Mm-hmm. It is a uh, 4.9% alcohol. Let me fire this up. I thought this would be a great way here. I think of Vermont. I think of all the holiday Christmas and or other holiday sort of movie specials are sort of like filmed in Vermont That's or right. Hollywood yeah. pretending to be Vermont. So right, I thought we'd right. start there. Let me crack it open. Oh, there's a good one. There oh, we that's go. That's going to be good. Whoa, boy, look at that. Yeah. Phil, what are you? what have you chosen for the first beer flight? 
Okay, well, I'm going with the strategy of uh, uh, buy low, sell high, or start mm. small and then work up. Yes. Um, and so I'm starting with a very, very light and refreshing Berliner Weisse uh, from our friends at Aslan Beer Company, which is, happens to be a, a repeat visitor to the, uh, to the What Are You Drinking sec- segment. Uh, this is a Berliner Weisse brewed with passion fruit and mango. Uh, it is only at 3.5% ABV. Like I said, starting small. Let me pop this open real quick. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's going to be good. All right. Awesome. So now that's perfect. So we've got our first flight. So what are we, uh, what podcast episode are we pairing this with? Indeed. So it was a lighthearted conversation, hence the low ABV, but we had a, a fascinating conversation with Dave Meeker, who helps lead innovation at Dentsu, who has had uh, uh, some fascinating insights on the world of the metaverse and Web 3.0. We had a lot of conversation about what it is, what it isn't, what it promises, and where it falls short. So let's go ahead and check out a clip and see what bubbles up in Web 3.0. This is a podcast about ideas. I think the ideas are really to sort of continue to experiment with what some of these things can be. So hopefully yeah. it taps into, you know, the angels and not the demons of the possibility. Well, absolutely. I mean, Barry, we were just talking with uh, Val Vicante about yep. CES, and we had this little debate about innovation versus coolness. Uh, yes. And how those are yeah. not the same thing. And, yes. you know, in the experience design space, business transformation space, whatever you want to call it, we talk about value. So yeah. a lot of people talking about the metaverse are like, ooh, live concerts or campaigns. Dave goes straight to disrupting the home lending market. And, uh, like, that's real, tangible, applicable stuff yeah. that has value, that has meaning. In a just in a different context, and yeah. that can actually you know drive. You I know, know, money. Metaverse, metaverse feels very much like the cool stuff, not the great stuff, right now to me, mm-hmm. which is sort of interesting. I, you know, it's funny though. So I get, you know, we're lucky because yep. in our jobs we get to talk to interesting people all over. I've talked to some the smartest people I know are just could care less about buying land in sandbox. Yeah, right. <laughs> what they care about is radical educational transformation my kid can go on a tour of the pyramids and share notes with a kid from china on what their impressions are right Mm -hmm. medicine like i'm gonna have i'm I'm not gonna have heart surgery but if i was i'd love to sit down with my doctor and look at a 3d model of my heart and understand the procedure uh Mm -hmm. and and maybe i get panicked about that kind of stuff and so that content knows my heart rate and adjusts the level of intensity of that conversation right like there's so many things as all these fields come together where we can improve our lives and use this stuff to create an amazing future. I just feel that stuff's all very hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's expensive. And in order to prove out that it will, it has some longevity, we look towards the quick hits and shiny objects to Mm -hmm. make sure that society's bought into it. Yeah. I, I love listening to that clip again, because I mean, Dave is one of the, the smartest, most interesting people that I, I get to sort of interact with um, fairly regularly, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he talked about it, as you recall, Phil, on this, in this episode about the history, you know, what, what was web one, what was web two, you know, when we're saying web three, what does that really mean? You know, the metaverse, we talked a lot about how, you know, some of the stuff that's really flashy and kind of getting a bunch of people's attention right now is, 
maybe not the high value stuff that that we all predict actually um some of these more web3 concepts are going to reveal downstream he talked about sort of like radical education sort of like mm-hmm. radical ways to sort of do collaboration and some of the real power there versus you know right now it's like rock and roll concerts and like yeah <laughs> by buying completely virtual like fashion or whatever yeah um but i i i i love that part of the conversation and um i loved his optimism it's also funny it is very funny to listen to this again phil yeah because this was before the crypto crash of like yeah. ftx or whatever this was mm-hmm. before i think elon officially took control of like twitter mm-hmm. and so it was it was in yes. a way a more yeah. optimistic moment maybe for some of these web3 concepts i don't know where does your head go when you listen to to dave again it goes to a couple places one uh the conversation we had very early on in the season with valve Conte coming back from ces uh, talking about, you know, uh, you couldn't throw a rock without hitting somebody talking about the metaverse and web 3.0. And mm-hmm. there, the, I think the struggle we have is how to apply it. And yep. Dave gave us some very concrete ways to do it. But you parse that with the almost assumed infallibility of some of these tech juggernauts who think they know all and know best. And at the end of the day, what really matters is, are we helping society move forward? Yeah. Uh, and and so talking about surgery, talking about education, talking about microfinance, talking about you know, you know, uh, there was that movie, The Cable Guy back in the 90s with, uh, <laughs> yes. with Jim Carrey and, and yeah. all the stuff where you're sitting in the middle of the satellite dish. It's like play Mortal Kombat with a friend in Vietnam. Like that was 22 years, whatever, 26 years ago. Yeah, and we're yeah. still trying to deliver on the promise of what the internet was supposed to be. And yeah. because it kept constantly gets co-opted by a vision, an almost dystopian vision of what one or a very small set of people think society should go. Yeah. Uh, so I think the hopefulness, let's please not lose that. I think in 2023. Yes. Because technology for good is great. Technology for ill-gotten gains is horrible. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what people sort of pick up on uh, around blockchain, around some things like that. Our company just launched a couple of things with blockchain recently, so we're really Excellent. excited about it. Cool. All right, Phil. So we're but this 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 I I gotta I gotta pace myself here. We're we're like one drink in here on the flight, so we probably got to tee up the next one. So Phil, like, what do you have Indeed. for your next flight? The next flight, the next stop on the flights around 2022. Uh, still going with my incremental step up in ABV. Uh, so last week in the family went to a nice uh, winery and brewery in Aldi, Virginia, which is uh, oh, oh. an hour. Yeah. You, yeah. This is a new place. Yeah. Um, uh, and they also have great pizza. It's a place called Quattro Goombas, which means four friends. Okay. And, uh, and so yeah, we had wine there, but I picked up some beer in advance of this wonderful conversation. Yes. And so the next stop on the flight around 2022 is a Black Widow Schwarz beer Ooh. from Quattro Goombas. It's got a scary looking Black Widow there. That uh, is scary. That is really, it looks like it should come alive. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, hopefully it won't have a bite to it. Eh? Mm. Eh? Eh? Right. Yeah. Uh, so this is 5.1% ABV. Let me pop it open and see what happens. Oh, oh, that'll be good. That All will right. be good. What about you, Barry? What are you drinking? Well, you know, Phil, 
The hills are alive oh, mm-hmm. with the sound of. I, I, I'm going with a Pilsner Bohemian style lager from the Von Trapp Brewery, which oh, is actually apparently right. apparently owned by some someone related to the Von Trapps, which of course oh, is really? the family that uh, inspired the sound of music. Yeah, another Vermont brewery. I'm trying to sort of stay in cold, wintry yes. regions here. Mm-hmm. So my favorite part on the whole thing here is it says a little of Austria. A lot of Vermont. There you so go. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pop this one open. This is a Pilsner uh, Bohemian style lager. Here we go. Nice. All right, that'll be good. That'll be Excellent. good. We're going to we're going to get a little deeper. This is my uh, last one here before we start to get a little bit heavier. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. So you know we're coming off a period of time here when good. You like very it, good. Do, do you want yeah. me to sing some more? Do you want me to no. sing some more? I think no. uh, wait, wait, wait you till the you are 16. <laughs> I am 17. Or is that how it goes? I am 16 going on 17. All right, there you go. Close I don't enough. know any of this. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's only beer too, Barry. Let's uh let's slow it down. So for this next stop on our flight around 2022, we're gonna stop off with our old friend Lee Andries, uh, who yes. talked a lot in episode eleven about career strategy. And I think, first of all, it was super timely at the time because we were right in the thick of just tons and tons of layoffs. And unfortunately, that trend has continued and may very well continue well into the new year. But what we wanted wanted to revisit this one and maybe give a little bit of hope and a holiday cheer to our friends uh, looking for the next opportunity. So uh, let's let's listen in on uh, uh, episode 11, what bubbles up in career strategy with Lee Andries. Let's let's just focus a little bit on that on that phrase, bulletproofing your career and then bulletproofing your income. These are two concepts that we talked about in our in our earlier discussion. I think I think this is going to be super helpful for a lot of our a lot of our listeners. And I think this is true. And there's probably different methods of doing each depending on your tenure and levels of seniority. But let's talk about the first part of that, which is bulletproofing your career Mm -hmm. Uh, and talk us through a little bit of that, starting with maybe some more junior people. And then people with 20 plus years of experience, like, what does that mean when a lot of this stuff is really out of their control? You know, if a company is failing, company is failing, but I already see you saying uh, maybe not so much. Um, let's, let's talk about that. Cause I think, I think there's, there's some hopefulness there in bulletproofing your career, even when the macro trends are not in your favor. Absolutely. So again, it, we need to think, we need to stop thinking like employees and we need to think of ourselves as a product. That we ourselves deliver a solution, Mm -hmm. we deliver a product, and we provide deliverables that address the problem in the business. Mm -hmm. If we don't have an understanding as creatives how what we do impacts a business, you're going to struggle to manage your career. Let me repeat that. (laughs) We don't have as great, even coming out of college, and they're not teaching this in college, and that's the problem that I have. Maybe I think VCU, maybe um, RISD is. I mean, some of of those programs are, but not everybody can afford to get into those programs, right? Right. So we need to be teaching creatives, whether they're in marketing, communications, digital creative, UX, CX, whatever. We need to teach them what is the impact that this role makes. And then as you think about that, as you graduate from high or from college, even from high school, there are high schools out there where people are coming out of these gaming studios with jobs, no need for college. They're going right to the design studios and game. That is career planning from a parent 
standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I can give you a great example of a student who is in high school right now. His parent, his, his father is working to get him his first job before he graduates because he's got him in the right school. He's got him in the right program and he's building a portfolio while he's in school of real work. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying I shouldn't yell at my son for uh, being on his uh, gaming device? No. (laughs) Dude, if he wants to go into gaming, have I got a school for you? Well, well, first of all, I've known uh, Lee for a little while now where we Mm. had a mutual friend and she is such a champion for the cause of, you know, creative career management, creative career strategy. She really fights for us. Mm. Uh, and you really want Lee in your corner. Uh, you need Lee on that wall. You want her on that wall. Yes. Uh, to, to quote uh, Jack Nicholson. The, the, the fascinating thing is, you know, Lee's been talking about a lot of this stuff for a long time. And, yeah. and it just... You know, it's not that it's fallen on deaf ears, but I think now it's sort of really crystallized this notion of bulletproofing your career, which a lot of creatives, they, they think the work does that for them. And in yeah. a lot of ways it does. But right now it kind of doesn't, uh, especially when the market is as saturated with talent as it is right now. And so I think the the biggest piece of advice I got from Lee from that episode is re you know repositioning and reframing the relationship you have with your employer she talked a lot about you know you're not an employee you are a service provider and your employer is a client and when you start to frame it up in those kinds of ways you start to think about yourself as a brand yourself as a product yourself as having you know a value proposition unto yourself uh that you know, you have to be able to demonstrate value at all times. And it's as much about doing the work as it is about helping the business. Yeah. And that's something that creatives don't always think about all the time, right? Yeah. I thought it was a really, really powerful notion that, you know, first, because you're right, I do I do find that a lot of people are like, like, why is this company treating me this way? Why don't yeah. they recognize you know, my talent, why don't they recognize that I've given seven years to this place? Mm-hmm. And, and I think what Lee's language kind of really sort of summarizes this notion of you've got to put yourself in the company's shoes. Yeah. Like, like what is the value you're giving to me now? What is the thing that you can do for me now that nobody else can? Like, what is the value you're, do you know what I'm saying? And yeah, it's not a bad thing to think that way. It's, it doesn't mean you're like going to be beholden to like this company because Actually, if you put yourself in the company's shoes and you think about the work that you're doing, you're mm-hmm. going to make yourself better. And then even if you do get let go or if you voluntarily want to sort of go and look outside, you're actually going to find that the way that you can talk about your work, the kind of work that you have, mm-hmm. is in fact going to be more valuable to those future prospective employers. That's right. And and that's and that so so it's it's kind of like a lean forward attitude versus a lean back attitude, I guess is what I would describe it. I like I like people who actively manage their career, who actively manage their evolving skill set, their ability to work with evolving tools. Mm-hmm. And and who can articulate in those kind of like review sessions with managers this is my value. It's not just like, hey, the client liked this thing that I did, or mm-hmm. I've done like 16 of these things for you in the past. That's yep. all backwards looking stuff. 
It's more like my value is I I know you have this goal in the future to do these kinds of things. I know you want to expand in these ways. I know you want to work with these teams in this way. Mm-hmm. I know how to do this. I have learned how to do this. I'm getting better at doing that. I, I just thought, I also thought, Phil, just as a general aside, um, one of the things we did differently this year and all these podcasts is we really tried to react a bit more to like trends that were happening. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, our podcast isn't about like finding jobs, but there was like all of a sudden sort of this wave of we felt like um, exits. Yeah. And so we wanted to help. And That's I, right. it was really powerful. We did this one. Um, and we we actually did like a little mini sort of like twofer with some yeah. of our friends in kind of the recruiting uh, industry. And they were mm-hmm. incredibly popular with our listeners. They were. They were. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> I think the other thing that Lee and, and also Lauren Greif Yes, we're talking about is, uh, you know, when you when you reposition yourself in that way, a lot of people think a lot of creators think I'm betraying my craft in some way. But we've talked to so many creative people who thought about the commercial side Mm. of the work that they do. Scott Gieske, going back to uh, Steve Prince, Mm. uh, going back to Kathy Heppenstall. Yeah. Don't be afraid of the money. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Anthony L taught us that too. Don't talk about the business as some other. You are the business. Creative is the business. Lowercase b as a slang, and also capital B. And and the closer you are to revenue, in fact, it frees you up to be more creative. It frees you up to do the stuff because you have the 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 financial and business cred to support all yeah. the things that you want to do. And commercial reaction to your work is a way to judge. Um, you know, real value versus just people who are just telling you they like it, but not actually acting on it. And Mm so Mm -hmm. there's something to that. What bubbles up? All right. That's right. Yeah. We are two down, my friend. Oh boy. What's what's the next one? Like take us deeper into the holidays. What's the next <laughs> flight on your agenda? Oh, uh, well, you know, I wanted to save this and then I figured there's really no time better than uh the urine flights. This is something that people hunt for, that that they wait in line for. Okay. Oh yes. Oh yes. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Um so oh. around the around the holidays, this comes out and people, you know, go in droves. For Bell's Hop Slam Ale. Ooh. For our listeners, if they know, they know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this is a double India Pale Ale brewed with honey. Yes. Good luck finding it once it yeah. gets released. And it's coming in. We're at beer three, flight three, right? Mm. And this is coming in at a whopping 10% ABV. Oh, oh you're going jump. double digits so uh, soon. Wow. Well, I, made, I made, look, listen. You only live once. Uh, YOLO. Yeah, BOLO. BOLO, as I say. Barry only lives once. That's right. It's very personal. Yes. That's right. I'm going to pop it open and and see if it matches with uh, with past experiences. All right. Oh, yeah. All right, Barry. That was a good. I can't wait. All right. What are you drinking? We're going galactic, baby. Galactic. Mm. So I've got the super cluster here by Lagunitas. It is Mm. the... Citra hopped mega IPA of intergalactic proportions. Lean back. Wow. I'm going to read you this one here. Okay, so this is ahead. this is a philosophy on life. Mm-hmm. You are here on a speck of dust 
three tiny rocks from the source at the edge of something much larger, in the middle of something else, at the beginning of the end. It's a lot to wrap your head around and take in one gulp at a time. Mm. Life is uncertain, dot, dot, dot. So there you go. I'm wow. not quite sure how that relates to our next one here, but I sort of read Jesus. that. I'm like, that's deeper than the kind of thinking that I typically do at Wegmans. But all right, I'll, I'll go with it. <laughs> so here we go. There you go. Pondering. Uh, oh, oh, the bouquet yeah. that happened right at the crack was pretty oh, impressive. So wow. I need a super cluster. Here we go. I'm going to find that one. Jesus, you just made me uh, ponder life's great mysteries uh, while we... <laughs> Go to our next episode. Yes. Someone who is very, very good at defining mysteries. Mm. Uh, the one and only Jesse James Garrett. Yes. He was kind enough to visit us here on What Bubbles Up on yes. uh, episode nine to talk about creative leadership. There are just countless nuggets of, mm. of thought, of thinking, of how to approach the problem of people uh, and in our profession. And uh, boy, he he really uh, uh, made our head spin with some of the stuff. Let's let's check in on uh, episode nine of What Bubbles Up with Jesse James Garrett. Uh, I think one of the things that I picked up on on uh, Jesse's post from a year ago is mm. one of the reasons why people get disenchanted is you. Congrats, you won, and now revenue and numbers are attached to your output. And we're building things, so mm -hmm. you're a step in our process. And now you know. You were sort of like a, uh, you know, riding a, a white horse yeah. into save the day, and now you are not on the horse. You're in a car right. with a bunch of other people, yeah. and, and you all have to go to a place together. But you're not necessarily in the driver's seat, and yeah. mm -hmm. and that's where you know, somebody's got to pump gas and pump. But that's not that's right. not the point. You're not driving the car, and the car has to be cost effective to own, and all those types yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that part of the the you know the reason that we've seen the impact of UX limited in mm. organizations is because of what UX asks of an organization mm. just by its nature. Yeah. It requires patience. Yeah. It requires taking the long view. Yes. It, it requires a high degree of tolerance for ambiguity Uncertainty, admit and you're things wrong that sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm getting to that part. Yes, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> way to steal thunder, Barry. I just want to look and... smart too sometimes. Sorry, go. <laughs> what I was going to say is things that cannot be measured. Mm -hmm. To your point about you know the um, that you have outcomes and metrics and you get all of these business things that get attached to it, and UX kind of doesn't want to work that way. It yeah. resists yeah. being kind of quantified mm -hmm. in, in those ways. Um, and in fact, the more you try to pull it that way, the more you start to lose the value right. of it. Mm -hmm. here, here. And then lastly, coming back around to Barry's point. Ah, your uh, point that I stole and claimed is <laughs> my own, but go on. Um, it asks the leaders to continue to ask themselves uncomfortable questions. Yes. You have to, it, UX requires you to be continually questioning your strategy, questioning your, your understanding of the market, questioning your understanding of all of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, at, you know, 
in a lot of cases, and this is very human thing, right? Leaders just don't want to be questioned that much. Yeah. Yeah. They just mm-hmm. don't. It it's funny to listen to this episode again. I Phil, I, we have so many guests on where I think we're, we're just really fascinated with what they have to say, and it's really yeah. interesting conversation. But occasionally there are guests where we're desperately trying to sort of prove to them that we're cool too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so very true. That was, was definitely a case. Yeah, you and I got a little bit fanboy with Jesse James Garrett, which For was sure. very very funny. Me worse you. Let's be honest. Yeah, well, I don't know. It was very funny, but I yeah, I loved. I, so I mean, some of the things that he talked about um, with. You know, I mean, he was there really, I think, kind of with the foundation of what like modern experience design and modern sort of design thinking and kind of the challenges and pressures that puts on traditional leadership is all about. And so it was just fascinating to talk with him about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Look, his stuff, I'm using every single day. Yeah. Um, the the whole what UX asks of us position yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Just vital, yeah. You know, because the the this whole, I mean, the whole episode, and the whole conversation was spawned from the interaction that you had with him about a year before we actually got him on the show. Yeah, and uh, you know the the whole framing around UX theater. And I think what practitioners of our craft are struggling with is where is the ability to tell a story? Where is the ability to explore the unknown? This whole adage of technology is what you know, creativity is what you don't. UX does not want to be boxed in by the things that make business quantifiable, um, which is a difficult place to be sometimes. You know, sometimes you got to leave a little bit of room for inspiration. Yeah, and I think it's it's great to hear from a leader like Jesse, like that 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 opportunity still exists. Not only does it still exist, but leaders like us and and those who are listening to that episode. It is not just a, a nice to have, but it is their obligation to leave that room open so that their teams can explore and thrive, yet still provide the value that 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 is being sought by the business. And that's, I think, the, the crux of creative le- leadership, how to prove business value, how to inspire your team and keep them, you know, thriving and growing and, and learning new things, and at the same time, delivering products. It's a tough place to be. Um, but that's why they say work is easy. People are hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I, I, I mean, and I love that. I mean, since this episode aired, Jesse has really kicked open his creative leadership kind Mm -hmm. of consulting business once again. So anybody, I think I would definitely encourage people to reach out to him because, because I think that leaders in experience design and leaders in kind of our version of experience creative play a really, really critical, but also a pretty tough role because, you know, unlike yeah. a lot of other leaders in business, we are the kind of leaders who have to tell the business leaders sometimes that they're wrong, that yeah. their customers are saying they're wrong. And that's right. their plan, which they may have sort of pitched and, you know, to the board and to mm-hmm. everyone, actually, you know, what customers are actually expressing based mm-hmm. on this kind of design thinking is that they want something that's a slightly different flavor. And that's so right. there are not a lot of leaders that I think get put into that awkward spot. Um, but our experienced creative folks do. And yeah. um, that's the difference between actual experience design and UX theater. Mm. Oh, so true. So true. And, and you know, being being comfortable with asking questions. And I think the the vulnerability that it requires of us as leaders to be open to 
you know, hearing something that uh, we might not want to hear from time yeah. to time, I think, uh, I think is super important. You know, before, before we go to our last uh, flight, I think we wanted to chase uh, some of these beers down with uh, some little, little tastes of uh, some other flavors from throughout the year. Um, yeah. One of the ones that we talked about uh, was our, our friend Nick Verlaney, who's head of yep. social at uh, Merkel CXM. You know, he had a, a couple of quick, you know, but interesting nuggets about the world of social and how that's uh, uh, playing a part. Let's hear back from uh, from Nick for a, a little uh, a chaser to our some of our flights around 2022. So Twitter used to be my favorite platform by far, by far mm-hmm. and away. It used to be my mm-hmm. favorite platform. Um, it's mm-hmm. probably the platform that I've used the most throughout my life. Because I love the live nature of it. I love that everyone on Twitter who's talking about something is talking about it live. You know, yeah. and there has never been a better platform for live events in the history of the world. Never. Um, yeah. Yep. It is. It's how news breaks. It's how every. It's how you find out That's anything right. in this world. We're finding out videos from Ukraine on Twitter before their the Defense Department could even come out and say anything about it. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's that platform. The whole Elon Musk thing calls into question where this thing's going to go, though. And yes, that's because of his incredibly skewed views on what free speech is. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, I don't <laughs> I think when a professional troll owns something, there's only <laughs> one outcome and that it's going to get worse. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. see it getting better. Yeah. I don't see there's any chance that it'll be better than it has been. And it sucks because it had a ton of potential and still yeah. does if someone actually wants to like be responsible with it. But uh, it doesn't appear that anyone wants to be responsible with it. it it's fun to listen to Nick. I mean, this was, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> Twitter is in the news every other day right now. That's right. And so, I mean, I still get to interact with Nick and, you know, he's sending out updates. Okay, everybody calm down. This is what's going on with Twitter right now. <laughs> it is very wild to kind of like, he is in the center of the arena. People are calling him. They do not know what to do with some of the stuff that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great having him on. Who else do we want to cover really quickly, Phil? Well, I think we got to go back to our old pal Val, Val mm. Vicante, uh, when she was, uh, uh, com- just coming back from CES, hot off uh, the presses with some some new products um, and all the stuff that she saw at CES. Really, I think it kind of anchors back to what Dave Meeker was talking about with the uh, innovation versus uh, just cool for the sake of being cool and maybe kind of not so cool. Mm. Let's listen in. There was, yes, all <laughs> metaverse, NFTs, crypto, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it, of course, Um uh, mentioned over and over and over again. And I mean, it was interesting. I think, I think where, you know, brands will need to be careful as far as like how they're using the word metaverse and labeling everything a metaverse. Um, I did see a lot, like there were different booths of like, Hey, enter our metaverse, make an avatar. You're in our metaverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, all right. I just scan something and you put a projection on there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, so I think, I think it's like, there's a lot, um, there's, it's, it's like, if it sounds cool and people want to attach themselves to it, but I think brands have to be really mindful in terms of like, like what is the metaverse? It's, it it reminds me of very 1995, right? Like Mm. there was this new thing called the internet and it might Mm -hmm. catch on one day people. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 
It's great to listen to this. I, I actually talked with Val. She's going to be on stage at uh, this upcoming CES for two different things. I think she's with Microsoft. I think she's with Pepsi. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So she's going to be talking. It'll be very interesting to see how this CES differs from last year's CES. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to our let's go to our our, uh, our our heavy hitter, our our number one most listened to episode of the year. Phil, tee this up. Oh boy, uh, I don't know if I'm uh, quite in the uh, the the space to do that, but I'm going to give it the old college try. So, coming in hot uh, with our with our last flight around 2022. For me, I am uh, and again, this is against my best judgment. I think back in episode one. When we talked about what we want to change, one of the things that we talked about was having more stouts, more porters, mm. more stouts, mm. darker beers. I think I overdid it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what I've got here is a 12-month-aged barrel-aged stout Ooh. Uh, that is coming in. Uh, this is from our friends at Campanology Brewing in Wanaki, Wisconsin. Oh. And uh, this is coming in at a whopping 11% ABV. Uh, it is a massive bottle. I'm definitely not going to finish it, but I will attempt. I will make the attempt. So, and this is a bottle, so I'm going to have to pry this open. Yeah. Uh, with some dexterity here. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. It's not so bad. Yeah. Mmm. Mmm. The chocolatey malts and the coffee tones are really coming through. Barry, what damage are you doing to yourself? What are you drinking? <laughs> Yeah, well, I have to say, I kind of went to a little bit of a callback on last year. I really enjoyed. So I have the Mad Elf by oh, yeah. Trogues here. Yes, I remember that which, one. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I, which I think is just it's the way to end kind of like uh, an episode here in the holidays so. as we're getting ready. So this is uh, it is a uh, it is a holiday ale brewed with cherries and honey. And yes, Phil, mm-hmm. it comes in at over 11% yeah. APB. So let me try to. Ah. All right. So I got it. I got it. Here we go. There so we go. get ready All for right. the uh, the cherries and the honey. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, basically, good. Uh, good night. Good night, everyone. Yeah. So here we go. <laughs> exactly. All right. So our last flight around the year 2022 is our old friend, Eiko Kawano. And yes. You know, Eiko, by the way, is coming off a, a, a wonderful presentation at the DesignX Leadership Summit in Toronto mm. uh, that uh, that's has, has been well publicized. But, you know, Eiko did not talk with us about product design, about UX, about creative leadership or anything like that. She talked about the beauty of a side hustle and how that can help inspire uh, uh, ideation and brainstorming activity and creativity just in general. Um, and so, you know, we learn something from Aiko every time we interact with her. So let's listen to episode 10 of What Bubbles Up featuring our old friend, Aiko Kawano. I think that like for me, I try to sort of pour like all of my energy into things. And so it's really easy for me to slip too much into kind of that workaholic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. And make the the core job like all of me, all of my identity, all I am is, is my job. And I have done that in the past and, um, and kind of learned from it. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is that, uh, being, um, having sort of something on the side that's deeply meaningful to me, mm-hmm. um, helps me like maintain a sense of perspective. So, 
it, it actually makes it easier for me to take risks and to fail sometimes at my job, um, which mm-hmm. I think I think we have to become more comfortable with taking risks and with failure as an industry. And um, it's just like there's not as much weight put on the job. So I'm actually better at it, if that makes sense. Um, I also feel like um, the creative process is so much about a growth mindset. Mm. And I would say like a big, big lesson for me in the last 10 years kind of growing in my career is really adopting more of a growth mindset and, um, and being creative on the side actually really, really helps with that as well. I think I'm significantly better at my job when I'm excited about my writing and when I'm not able to write or when I'm not excited about something I'm working on, I actually find myself like pouring more pressure into the mm-hmm. the job itself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think too what you said earlier, um, Barry, was interesting about you know that kind of like conflict, that tension. Um, but th- you know, luckily, writing is really non-threatening. <laughs> it's not like I'm working <laughs> for another client on the side, right? And they right. don't have headlines for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so writing is definitely non-threatening. But I do think some form of creative side hustles um, hustle can be really valuable to the day job. What I think is great about what Echo shared with us, Barry, is, you know, it speaks to a lot of the awakening, frankly, that people did during the pandemic about what is important to them. Yeah. Um, and it happened on mass at a global scale, right? But, you know, what Echo was able to do is, is really look back on her last 10 years and kind of, I mean, I hate to, maybe this is not the right way to put it, but let herself off the hook a little bit for being always on in the core job. And I think what's what's interesting, especially as a creative leader herself, is when she lets herself off the hook, she finds it easier to let her team off the hook and give them the freedom. And I think when we do that, uh, we have better performing teams, better ideas, better work, and frankly, more longevity. Uh, there's no There's less burnout because you can expend the stale energy in, in other, in other ways. Um, I think that's so important. You know, it's hard to be creative in a finite period of time, but, uh, if you can manage the time, uh, it's, it, it will reap rewards. It will reap benefits and it'll make you a better leader. It'll make you a better practitioner of your craft. Mm. Um, and it'll, you know, I think, I think the brain just craves variety quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I- so it's really important. I agree. I, I I think we talked in the episode a little bit like it's similar to cross training in mm-hmm. some ways in mm-hmm. that the skills that you kind of hone and develop in something that's very different from maybe what you do for a living still have application and value to the thing that's sort of like core to who you are. And I, I think um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's been a big philosophical change for me. I actually think it's really important for creative people on my team, um, mm-hmm. for people that I work with to kind of have these multivaried sort of like side hustles or sort of like passions. Yeah. Um, I worry a little bit if people are too focused because it sort of makes everything so critical. And, and I, you know, it's like these more well-rounded people that we bring into our organization, period, Phil. It's one of the reasons we sort of, you and I push for diversity, you know, in all manners, kind of in the teams that we bring in, because that kind of That's diversity right. of thinking and perspective just makes it 
really, really powerful. So I, I don't know. I love to also, I just think Ico is just so wonderful to kind of talk to about this stuff. She is. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, she's, she's a champion for, uh, representation. She's a champion for diversity, of course. And also not jumping to conclusions about what it is someone does and helping that or making that define them and their identity. I think we talked a little bit about, are you a designer? Are you a writer? Or are you just a creative person? Mm. And, and, and a lot of that stuff kind of doesn't matter because creative people come from all sorts of backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you, if you are a technologist or a developer, but you happen to run a rotisserie football league, <laughs> uh, yeah. that's creative. You know, if you are a, uh, podcaster, let's just say, uh, but, yeah. uh, you're also a project manager, you're still creative. You're creating something that didn't exist before. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really what makes someone, someone creative, not their job title, but what makes them kind of tick. Right. I, I agree. Think, I, I think those are, those are the kind of people that are most successful, at least certainly in the businesses, Phil, I think that you and I kind of get involved in. There are a lot of people who consider themselves very creative, who like to sort of run around going like, oh, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. That's not creative. And actually what I find is that they just have a very narrow view of creativity. They have a very narrow view of like the creative profession and the right. people who come from these more varied backgrounds who are out there sort of stepping out and taking risks with side hustles and trying things they're not great at when they start to sort of get better. Ultimately, I think provide more creative value um, when we work with them in the, in the core core jobs, because they see potential in things that folks who have a very narrow view of the world just don't see. So that's right. That's I don't right. know. I, I, I love ending with Aiko. She, she was an awesome guest, but I mean, I look back, Phil, I'm just like looking at the list right now. You know, we had Andy Robinson talking about content marketing, which was, I think a great episode, Jack bat Bradley talking about producing music, mm -hmm. especially working with people who are non-musical when you have to create music, which that's I thought right. was a great conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, we had Dan <clears throat> Brown from eight shapes, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, talking a little bit, about a, about a bunch of stuff. Like we did Dan Brown to then Jesse James Garrett in a row. Like that's a, that's was, a, like that was a crazy. Boom, it was like a boom, six, boom. Yeah, Gatling gun of talent there. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Gieske came and sort of actually talked about, frankly, the business of fine art, which I thought that's was right. fascinating and just the complete pivot that he took in his career mm -hmm. um, going from commercial artist to fine artist, which was just really sort of fascinating. You know, we had a returning hero, David Bergantino, who brought yeah. us a bunch of folks and, and, you know, I think we leaned a little bit away from some of our most recent episodes, but, but they were great. Adam Novak was like fantastic mm -hmm. most recently. And so uh, a, a bunch of great episodes. I, I It's been a great year, Phil. I think that really we, did a, we did a lot of content. Um, we got a lot of great feedback from all of you. We're looking forward. We're going to keep this thing rolling. We're going to sort of do an, another great year of, of content, you mm -hmm. know, in 2023 and, and hopefully sort of like keep getting bigger and better and more guests and, and sort of see where this thing can go. That's right. Well, no episode would be complete without a steal. So Barry, mm. of all the guests that we had throughout the course of 2022, <laughs> is there one thing, one thing out of the entire year that you might steal? Well, I think the resilience is sort of like, I, I think that's, if I'm looking for a common theme amongst all of these people, and we had people from every line of sort of like creative professional here, um, 2022 was really sort of like a reemergence from the pandemic. 
mm-hmm. and a little bit of economic fallout to some degree uh, based on some of the you know dynamics that happened because of the pandemic, because mm-hmm. of some of the stuff that's happening globally, frankly, yeah, uh, politically and stuff like that. Um, and so I think that there was a theme around resilience, a theme around reinventing yourself mm-hmm. and sort of like understanding your value and being able to talk about yourself and being sort of like prepared for change and being sort of flexible and kind of like understand it's like looking for not just sort of the, the opportunities in the narrow sort of like stream that you tend to sort of work in, but sort of recognizing the value and broader stuff. And I think that that's really, really healthy. So if there's anything I'm going to steal from this year's slate of guests, I guess, is, you know, when I look at my team, I look at my opportunities and I look at new people that I'm meeting all the time, I'm going to try to be really open. I'm going to try to be really resilient. I'm going to look at people and be impressed with how people have continually reinvented themselves over time. I think those are the candidates, if I'm hiring someone, for example, that I'm actually going to be really intrigued with. Yeah. How about you, Phil? What are you going to steal? Well, I think the uh, <clears throat> the inputs of that. First of all, that's fantastic, and I totally agree with all of that. But the but the impetus to resilience or for resilience is, I think, self awareness. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. I look back at the entire slate of of uh, of guests, and I think I go back to Lauren Greif, who said, "Know your why." Uh, yep. And Diane Roche, if you recall, kind of called yeah. that back. In, yeah. in his discussion of uh, writing his first book, yeah. which is in order to be resilient, you got to know who you are, what you stand for, what you're willing to do, mm-hmm. and then, frankly, what you're no longer willing to put up with. Yep. Um, and I think so. So part of the part of resilience is self-preservation. And so you can't really do that unless you're willing to draw boundaries uh, at the at the around the core of your identity. And so always be true to yourself. Uh, always think about uh, how this is going to provide value, how this is going to shape me, how this is going to move forward, and then know where you end uh, and where you no longer feel like this is part of what you want to do, who you want to be. And uh, it's it's on the outskirts of your why. And uh, hopefully that will take us into 2023 with a, a sense of hope, a sense of self-preservation, and a sense of identity. That's definitely something we can all take with us as we move forward. Yeah. All right, Phil. Well, why don't we move to our close here? I think, you know, absolutely. it's been a great year of episodes. We're looking forward to 23. Um, For all of you who have been here with us this year, thank you. Thank you again. It really is gratifying to kind of see how our subscriptions are growing, how our listens are growing, and to get the feedback, I think, from all of you. And uh, all of your suggestions are incredibly welcome. And uh, please stick with us again next year. We're going to bring you another great season of What Bubbles Up. For those of you who may be, who knows, listening to us for the very, very first time, (laughs) uh, please subscribe or encourage your friends to subscribe. We are, of course, available across a whole bunch of pod uh, podcast platforms from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, um, and of course, uh, anchor.com, or you can just find us by going to whatbubblesup.com. Phil? Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with us, please feel free to do so by emailing us at whatbubblesup at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at whatbubblesup. Once again, thank you, our listeners. And by, may, may I just say thank you to Barry for partnering 
together on this effort for yet another great season of What Bubbles Up. We will see you on the next season of What Bubbles Up. Cheers. What Bubbles Up. Bubbles up, my feels bumping off like bottle cap. What bubbles up?